Welcome to the latest episode of The Selling Sessions, a podcast designed to help you sell your business, brought to you by United Capital, an investment company that could buy it. This week, we're going international. We're talking to Pablo Anderson, founding partner of ICCI Capital, which is based in Marbella, Spain, and focuses on real estate consulting and the development of real estate assets. Pablo's vast deal-making experience leads to an interesting conversation about the emotional roller coasters business owners might go on as they go through each stage of a sale. If you're a company owner beginning to consider selling your business on, each episode of the Selling Sessions is packed full of expert advice from those who have done it many times over already. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every week for more practical tips on selling your business from United Capital, an investment company that could buy it. By way of introduction, uh, Pablo, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and briefly uh, how ICCI can help those looking to sell their business? Hi, Paul. Good morning and thanks for the invitation. Um, yeah, we found ourselves uh, in, a, in a unique uh, opportunistic market, you know, by chance, because I, I moved to Marbella from Madrid uh, to practice law mm-hmm. and develop into a, a business, a corporate investment and, and a real estate investment. And uh, we ended up setting up a structure that helps uh, corporate uh, and institutions to move into Spain. And this is generating a phenomenal uh, wave of uh, foreign capital coming into Spain, seeing the opportunity and looking into Spanish businesses. So, of course, we have joined into the new um, situation where Spanish uh, family owners that have been carrying these businesses for for a long time, all of the sudden uh, have become an interested um, object to be purchased, you know, especially by a foreign capital that wants to come into our market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then ICFI Capital is, is a, um, a very uh, simple structure where we, we have a capital market to help capital join the Spanish market. We have a um, management structure that helps this capital to develop either the corporate investments or the real estate investments. And then we have a retail and commercial arm in order to make these investments effective and efficient. Mm -hmm. And especially what we have done is turn our business into, I like to call it multilingual. We like to convert the Spanish accounting, the Spanish management into comprehensive for the uh, foreign entities that are looking into joining us in uh, Spain. Uh, so, so it sounds like a, a broad range of experience there, and certainly, you know, when it comes to uh, trusted advisors in Spain, you know, it, you you will be the go-to person. <laughs> so, t- talking about uh, trusted advisors and setting expectations, why why do you think that's so important then? Well, the, I believe. This is one of the key factors to get a um, a form opinion and and to help the decision making. Uh, we take a very humble approach. You know, we know we're in Spain. Uh, Spain is a difficult market, and we like to um, at least aim 
to to compete as a potential local partner to assist uh, bigger corporations to join the Spanish market stress-free and stressless, right? And be able to bring transparency to a market that is, especially in the in the real estate market, is a non-regulated market. Therefore, it's very intransparent. So, so we like to bring pieces to the puzzle that helps um, to to acquire that uh, knowledge faster and to be able to get transparency into the decision making. Yeah, I think that with you know uh, helping uh, people obviously build up to then sell their business, you know relationships are absolutely key with that. You know, uh, why why do you think that 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 is key for doing a, a good deal? Well, I think human relationships are fundamental of the of business development in any country, but Spain carries that factor, you know, uh, deeper than uh, than. Uh, I guess any of the other northern countries. No, um, it's important to be local. It's important to have been seen uh, the families uh, and the and the business owners uh, need to trust somebody that actually qualifies these uh, uh, foreign institutions that are coming into Spain and helping them, uh, especially on the psychological part of uh, moving from. Uh, you know, generations of ownership into opening up to what business is like in Europe these days. You know, it's not a problem to have a partner. It's not a problem to bring equity. It's not a problem to get help into the management. And, you know, especially uh, people that have got to the end of the ladder, no, and they just want to sell. It's also a good strategy, you know, to be able to help them through that process, you know. Yeah, it's, it, you know, you touched on there the, the, the sort of emotional aspects of a deal. Um, and in this podcast, I think that, that it would be a good idea to delve a bit deeper into that. Um, you know, how do you prepare a client for emo- the emotional aspects of a deal? You know, particularly when you might have people who have been the first time that they've sold a business. You know, it's quite a, an emotional roller coaster. Um, how do you help prepare them for that? Well, it's a, it's a long process, you know, at the end, at the beginning, uh, you need to get the feeling. And of course, there needs to be a will from uh, the, the business owner to to at least listen to the to the idea, you know. And then then once we are there, uh, of course, there is a, a time factor into getting uh, what are the benefits and to make a process that is going to be comprehensive for them and where they can evaluate the benefits of it and be totally clear with it. Sometimes we need to even go, especially in Spain, into the family aspect of it. You know, uh, business owners and decision makers will have uh, a family board that needs to also, um, you know, uh, consider a vote into the decision and, and all those conflicts we like to approach in advance. So we get a protocol done yeah. Uh, prior to actually get to the selling process. And then once we get to the selling process, then everything is agreed, everything is done. We have a proper term sheet of how the deal has to be done from the seller's perspective. So we yeah. like we like to turn them into a proactive deal rather than a reactive, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if, if there's one key message uh, that has been made to sellers is try and try and be as proactive as possible during the deal process, because if you're proactive and you try and head things off at the pass at the start, then, you know, it helps for the deal flow uh, and the deal flow will go, go together quite well. But of course, you know, you, you do have ups and downs during that the, the, the deal. And, uh, you know, is there is there any key areas of the, to, to try and help the seller um, uh, maintain that willing willing seller willing buyer during that process? Well, in in, in our experience, it's a period time dedication. You know, yep. it's uh, be close to the vendor all the time. Make sure that the, any hiccups on the roller coaster process uh, is addressed, is confronted. And especially, um, we like to bring every objection uh, to the table up front, so there is no hiccups. And we like to make sure that get the simplest possible deal presented at all time, all the time, and every single deal. And that that way, you know, not all the time, of course, uh, we are successful, but at least we we get to the to the, through the process in a in a much more effective way, where where buyers know exactly what they are fronting and vendor knows exactly what they are expecting, and any uh, let's say surprises, you know, we have pre pre discussed. For example, what happens if the buyers come out with a very low offer? We need to see if there is a weak aspect in the deal, so we can confront that, or you know. It could be hundreds of things, you know, that we have to address. At the end of the day, I think it's time and be there, uh, hold their hands through the process. No? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it does go back to kind of we touched on earlier, setting expectations early. You know, and that is usually done through the commercial terms. You know, those expectations are set between the willing buyer and willing seller, and hopefully those expectations then are are met through that 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 vehicle, and then you move on to the next stage. Heads of terms, share purchase agreement, etc. Before uh, the deal uh, is is then concluded, so it's it it's a massive ro emotional roller coaster, particularly for for people that are selling their business for the first time. Um, you know, all preparing right from the start. You know, how do they, uh, they they get all the ducks in a row to then get them to get an, an offer in that's acceptable? That then they move on to each and every stage and during the due diligence. That is usually the stage where there's a lot of tempered emotions. Um, is, there, is there any uh, sort of hints and tips that you could possibly give for a, a seller uh, to try and keep the cool during the um, the due diligence process? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you have to think that in in uh, in um, in this case, the Spanish sellers mm -hmm. uh, are not that many. You know. We are starting that uh, that that opportunistic market, and uh, I mean the, the biggest and the first step that we that we confront is the valuation. How do we value your business? I mean, literally, yeah. there is yeah. a uh, a lack of culture into getting evaluation, and then then when when we get into the agreement on how how the the business has to be priced, then. Uh, in our experience in Spain, it's not it's not a difficult process once you get an agreement into terms, you know, for yeah. for the the buyer to to um, move on. And 
title deeds and head of terms are simple. Uh, and of course, the, the, the diligence into the accounting, it's also not so difficult in Spain. And uh, so therefore, the, 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 the biggest hurdle that we get in my in my in the territory where we are now in the market that we are and especially talking to the audience that you have for uh, which is especially um european entities that are maybe considering coming into spain then uh, we need to prepare that part you know we need to first prepare okay well how is the entity gonna approach the spanish market and then um start looking into what businesses are available or not yet available, but potentially could be, because there is companies that haven't made the decision but are subject to be a phenomenal deal, and yeah. they just don't know it yet. And this this access to 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 the market that you were talking before, uh, and the relationships, is one of the things that we take the biggest advantage of. Where we, when we find somebody that is okay, make the decision to go to Spain, Malaga, Madrid, whatever. Then we help them, okay, well, what's the type of business you want to acquire? And we go for special deals that could be great for the vendor, great for the buyer. We can uh, meet in the middle and, and have a fantastic transaction. You know? mm -hmm. And I think that, that when you know when sellers are, are going through that process, the original um, offer that comes in place, sometimes it's not within their expectations because perhaps you know they've had a broker <laughs> at one end, you know, giving them a valuation that's far. Uh, far higher than than I guess that uh, is the true value of the business, and so when a buyer then comes in with that true value, you know the the, the sellers then taken aback and and probably a bit at that point there's perhaps uh, the the emotional aspect of it, um, you know how how do you how do you help the seller you know uh, bridge that gap in emotion to say well you know you're perhaps you know, been been led up a garden path with a broker who's then you know given you an un, an unrealistic valuation and then a buyer's came in with a more realistic valuation and you know how would you temper that emotion to be able to hopefully get a deal done well again it's it's a matter of uh, trying to pre-advance uh, events yeah uh, we have had experience internationally so we can pre-see how buyers are going to behave when they see a particular deal and what offer can they make. So we like to um, do a dummy of how the negotiation is going to be in advance. Yeah. And I, we, we like to break it through the vendor. Okay, yeah. your value is 20, you might get an offer on 12. Yeah. And, and he gets the head going backwards uh, with us before it actually happens, you know? And yeah. uh, we try to to do like a demo of how the deal is gonna go. And yeah. at the end of the day, uh, show them, okay, well, it's value 20, you need to give some room for benefits to the buyer, maybe a close deal on 17 and a half or, you know, 17 and a quarter could be great, what you think, and then be prepared for all that, you know? It's not gonna be a disrespect, a low offer. This yeah. is just business. And it's just uh, that's the way we have to take it, you know. Yeah. So we we do an exercise to 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 break it through uh, in advance if we can. If then it happens without us having done that, then it's just uh, you know managing personalities and managing time and you know uh, hopefully not breaking through. Positive yeah. management has always been more effic efficient, no? especially on. on 
relationships with business owners. Yeah. <laughs> their business is worth double the valuation. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it, it does. It, I think that one of the key things you said there was, you know, do, running a mock deal almost and running that mock deal that's a that's a great bit of advice there just so that, that it sets expectations early with the seller so especially if they've not de- done a deal before it sets that expectation early that you know there is a bit of a roller coaster at the start and then how how that deal flow then progresses and i think that that's a that's a key bit of information and um, one of the the things that we touched on earlier was the, the sort of um the different cultural aspects between perhaps the uk market and the, the the Spanish market, you know uh, how they they um, how they both go uh, deal with deal flow differently. Um, could you explain just a bit more about that, given your experience in the area, you know, between UK buyers and uh, and Spanish sellers, and how you know how how do you get to get them to to maintain that willing buyer, willing seller throughout the process? Uh, okay, well, for, right, uh, first. In our experience, we we went through all the failing uh, already about, um, of course, people willing to buy uh, Spanish businesses and there is a huge problem unless they are on the top uh, listed or regulated businesses. When you go into the normal uh, small to middle business, uh, which is what, you know, 98% of, of, of the the, the platform of the business in Spain is family-owned and it's a middle-sized kind of business. No? Uh, it's very very difficult to comprehend the Spanish accounting system just to start with. <laughs> yeah. I just had the, the biggest issue, nobody understands how the hell do we do the accounting. <laughs> right. Let's just start with that. Uh, so, uh, especially in the in the UK and the northern countries, you, you like fast deals. You want you, you like the object, you want it, you let's do the deal today and let's shake hands and then let's get the lawyers to do it and boom, we'll be done, you know, three months or two months or what have you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Spain is just doesn't go that way, you know, unless yeah. you prepare the vendor in advance. Uh, we need to go through the accounts, we need to audit them, we need to make them presentable to a foreign buyer uh just translate them into english and make the balance sheet and the pnl in a way that will match the term sheet and that is then auditable with an international firm located in spain spain or video pwc whoever is is selected no uh, the big ones are they tend to be really slow for what the the deals that that families want you know yeah. the, the kind of kpmg and, and all these guys they I mean, of course, they are there and they are the top, but they, they, they are more useful for the bigger or biggest listed and, and, and regulated businesses. No? When you want to do a know, construction company or a, you know, it doesn't matter what the industry is and you want to move fast, what we tend to do is prepare these businesses uh, in a way that a, a, an international buyer can comprehend. And then we get an insurance uh, wrapped into the deal so then it can go through in a way where the buyer gets secure and then we can either build some kpis for the fair payment or you know it depends how the how the deal is is structured no but most of the vendors once once they understand how the process is going to be they they don't mind kpis they don't mind the fair payments or or those parts are just part of the negotiation the most difficult part is to get the business converted into an international a presentable business. 
Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right, because the last thing that you want is for information to be lost in translation somehow, um, or that uh, a deal is somehow scuppered because of the uh, the different cultural aspects that, you know, really in the grand scheme of things, you know, aren't going to be a deal breakers, you know. I think um, and, and being able to cut through all that um, is uh, is certainly, you know, worth its weight in gold in relation to having, your you know, a trusted commercially aware advisor on your side. Um, obviously, you've got a great deal of experience, Pablo, in, in that area. Uh, is, is there any sort of learning lessons you've had from your, your vast amount of experience, you know, with with particularly doing UK uh, Spanish deals or, you know, even um, uh, inter sort of Spain deals? Well, I mean, I think I, I've, I mean, of course, I, I learn every day, you know, and try to be very <laughs> humble. I've learned that. As <laughs> we, all do. we all do. <laughs> I think I've seen quite a lot of things, you know, especially with the UK market. Uh, I mean, UK is a difficult market, you know, you guys do business very fast, very efficiently, and you love Spain as well. So you like to come here and, uh, and you know, when you buy an apartment for a holiday home, it's great and it's you know still rocky, but uh, you can go <laughs> easy. But when it when it, it it means that you are relocating a business, and and this is what is happening now. I mean, this is my conclusion of the situation that we are living now, is uh -huh. that Spain is now ready for business to relocate. Therefore, we are starting to see the the first uh, brave business entrepreneurs taking the move to actually say, okay, I'm going to move my HQ to Spain and 20 people are going to be just relocated to Spain, live here, I will get an office, we work remotely, fly to London every Tuesday, back on Friday, whatever it is. And, you know, of course, with the, just simply with the salary, uh, keeping the salary base and moving to Spain, you've just doubled the quality of life directly. Yeah. You know, plus this, all the benefits of the sun and, you know, uh, life environment and everything else is cooling and, and, you know, wife being so happy and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and of course, I mean, in, it's just been two decades. I mean, two decades go so fast where, where there was no, the airport was not good enough. And now it's one of the top international airports. There, there was no speed train. And now you can be in Madrid from Malaga in uh, two hours, for example. And this, this affects all the regions, you know, this, the yeah. highways are there. Uh, and therefore, you know, it's, it's communication works across Spain in, in the internet and, and Wi-Fi and so on. So so that that is making decisions into people that have, uh, let's say, an excess of liquidity where they could expand their business into Spain as a completely opportunistic. We can buy uh, land, we can approach a... Uh, uh, student housing, we can do, you know, re uh, all people residencies, there is, a, you know, only the, also the residential market or businesses for energy and, you know, and all kinds of, uh, of uh, industries are available to investment and professionalize, professional, uh, prof professionalization of the yeah. industries. So my advice, I mean, certainly is to look at the Spanish market. This is a a opportunity if someone is uh, considering it. And then uh, all the fears of how to approach an international market, doesn't matter Spain or any other jurisdiction, it's possible. And of course, we need to address every single way in advance. That's 
my my advice, you know, in, in, in general, so we can get not only the vendor fully ready, but also the buyer. So mm -hmm. there's not expectation like, well, you know, in the UK, we do it this way. And when you come to Spain, it's just simply not that way. So we need to match the two cultures and the two emotional parts of business buyer and owner and get, get the boards to, to relate, you know, cover those parts. I mean, we can go clearly into detail in, in a in new uh, or more detail into the, the other uh, chapters that we do on this podcast, uh, Paul. Yeah. Uh, specific into certain areas that people have an interest, of course. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, th I think I think one of the key uh, things there is you're you're absolutely right. Over the past you know twenty thirty years in in Spain, the the, <laughs> the amount of investment has been phenomenal. It's transformed the coast, uh, the the Costa del Sol in particular. Uh, and you know you you do see um, that there's there's certainly a, 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 a been a lot of people reviewing things in the UK and and in Europe, saying, "Well, is this is particularly with lockdown and COVID, etc." You know, they, they've they've reviewed their life and said, "Well, is this is this where I want to be?" You know, where, where does it I want to be? And of course, a lot of people say, "Well, do you know what? I'd rather, rather be somewhere it's it's sunnier most of the time." You know, and uh, and of course, you you are seeing uh, perhaps maybe migration into Spain, that, particularly in the business side, than perhaps you would have wouldn't have seen otherwise. And and again, particularly because there's been so much investment, uh, and you've now got a world class airport. You know, all of the um, all of the the good connection roads. I mean, it's it's certainly um, you know an exciting uh, time to be uh, in um, in and around the, the Spain at the moment um, you know and of course with with your learning lessons on the the cultural side you know uh, being able to broker that gap between you know um, a seller and a buyer uh, particularly if they're on from different jurisdictions if you're able to broker that gap then of course again that commercially aware advisor is, is worth you know, it is worth their weight in gold because they're able to to cut through any of those nuances that perhaps may have may have been to either either side a, a deal breaker. So you maintain that willing buyer, willing seller throughout the process. I guess you know, I, I think we could probably talk shop all day as well, Pablo. Um, but uh, of course, you know, I, I, we've only got the, the sort of a, a short time on on these podcasts. So, um, is there is there any sort of final thoughts um, that you've got? No, I think it's. Uh, I felt great, Paul. I loved this uh, experience. So hopefully, I get invited more times. <laughs> absolutely, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we've covered pretty much all of the points to give a flavor to the audience of how we see the Spanish market and and that it is approachable and that there is ways of doing it if people have in their mind that idea. And of course, there is uh, maybe other. Uh, platforms that can assist uh, businesses. We uh, have one that is uh, there that we like to, to of course, uh, be tested and uh, and help you or any any person to to come and join us in Spain. Great. So, Pablo, uh, any of our listeners, um, you know, really looking to explore the Spanish market, you know, um, particularly on the on the seller side, you know, how how can they contact you? Uh, Okay, we have a, a web, which is uh, www.icticapital.com, and uh, there we have all the businesses that I have mentioned. And my direct email is paanderson at icticapital.com, icicicapital.com. Uh, I think that is the best uh, direct way. I'll, I'll be happy to uh, 
to help and assist anyone that uh, contacts me. No problem. No, thank you very much again, uh, Pablo. Your, your, again, your experience and insights on this podcast have been really appreciated and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it too. Thank you, Paul. And that's it for episode 13 of The Selling Sessions. Huge thanks to podcast host Paul McGilvery, as always. And of course, thank you to Pablo Anderson, founding partner of ICCI Capital, for giving us his time and sharing his international perspective on dealmaking. We're always grateful to podcast sponsor Affinity Business Centre, which is a co-working space right in the heart of Dundee's industrial quarter. It's modern, it's affordable, and it's where we record this podcast each and every week. If you need office space close to the centre of Dundee, visit affinitybusinesscentre.co.uk. Remember to subscribe to The Selling Sessions so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next week for episode 14.